covenant goes way beyond that. It's the giving of one's whole self to another. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. All right, here we go. So if you're taking notes this morning, this is part three of our current series that we're calling The Covenant. And, and I'll just say this before we get rolling. You, you know, even though I know that we don't typically hear the word covenant in our language today, I would just highly encourage all of us not to make the mistake of thinking that covenant isn't important in your life, right? And, and the reason I say that is because this is, is that when we really sit back and we really begin to sit, uh, look at the Bible, we can ask ourselves, man, are we really ever going to understand faith? Are we really ever going to understand spiritual authority? Are we really ever going to understand prayer and the unconditional love of God? Are we really going to understand how to walk through times of adversity? Are we really going to understand even the gospel itself if we don't have a, a workable knowledge of the covenant? And I'm here to tell you that the answer is absolutely no. You won't. And so you, you'll have uh, forms of it but, it, but it will be that's over there, that's over there, that's over there. But like I said a few weeks ago, the covenant is what ties all of that together and brings it together, this one incredible package of what God has desired to do in your life. Amen? Amen. So with that, let's pray and uh, we'll get rolling. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we just uh, choose as individuals today to lean into you. Holy Spirit, we believe that you're here, and we believe that you want to speak loud and clear. We believe today that you want to take the word, and you want to open it up and make it real and make it alive in our lives. God, that it's not some just dead words on the page, but God, it's something that you're actively desiring to do in our hearts and lives. And Lord, we just simply say we welcome it. We welcome the word into our life. We welcome your spirit into our lives to do only what you can do. So Holy Spirit, thank you for hunger in this place today. Thank you for just fresh fire and fresh anointing. And thank you just for fresh passion to seek your face in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So listen, as we start today, I just want to refresh everybody's memory that when we begin to go through the subject, literally of the covenants, we begin to work through the, the Old Testament from, from uh, you know, Genesis to Malachi, that, that literally we begin to see, in essence, seven core components, seven elements into the covenant. So, so it's simply this, that the first one is that every covenant has to have a covenant representative. We see that there needs to be a covenant oath, a covenant promise, a covenant sacrifice a covenant seal, a covenant meal, and lastly, a covenant memorial. Now, as we said last week, we know each one of those signs, if you will, every one of those shadows, those types, they were uh, designed by God to intentionally point us to the coming of Jesus Christ and the new covenant that he would come to establish in our lives. Amen? So, listen, it's from that understanding that theologians have come to define covenant as this. I'm going to throw it up there, and I know it's kind of wordy, but, but we'll grab a hold of it. It's simply, here's the definition, that a covenant is an agreement between God and his people. That's you. Amen? Amen? It says, in which he has made binding promises based off of his unconditional Love. One more time. It's an agreement between God and his people in which he has made binding promises based off of his unconditional love. 
I would like to add to that definition this morning that the binding promises found in the covenant are sealed or are authorized or put into action by the blood and by a sacred oath. Can somebody say oath? So, listen, with that said, what I want to do is I want to turn our attention to the second one in that list this morning, and I will talk about the covenant oath. So, for us to understand how an oath works, I want to uh, paint a really quick picture. I'm, I'm going to need some help, though. Wes, come here. Chris, come here. If you guys could stand right there, I won't embarrass you. It's okay if I do. I apologize. Noah, Tommy, if you guys can stand over here, help me out. Yep, if you can just uh, turn and kind of face each other, give yourself four feet between each other in case somebody swings. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so... Just seeing if you guys are listening. So, so listen, as, as I've dug deeper into this subject over the past few weeks, what I've noticed is, is that when the word covenant is often used, it is confused with a contract. But I want you to know today that there's a huge difference between a contract and between a covenant. We're going to explain this. So, listen, we know that a contract, and this will be our contract, guys, that a contract is defined as a, as a vehicle whereby properties and goods are exchanged from one person to another. Most of us in this room have signed a contract at some point or another. True? Yeah. All right, so listen. And it typically, uh, you know, a contract typically goes like this. Two people come together and they begin to negotiate and they begin to make an arrangement that simply states something like this. That, that literally no one would go, you know, I'll do this for you if you will do this, don't miss this word, for me. Have you ever noticed that uh, a contract usually centers around what benefits me the most in a deal? If you know that's right, say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So listen, basically after these guys negotiate, it's in essence, you know, Noah goes, all right, you know, uh, do you like what you're getting? I like what I'm getting. Great. Let's sign the dotted line. Right? So, so listen, but once those guys walk away, as most of us know, a contract can change and it can be canceled because a contract is really only as solid as the character of those individuals whose uh, signatures sealed the document. So watch this. Therefore, watch this. A contract can easily be broken or walked away from, and in many cases, it is expected to do so. Why is that? It's simply because a contract is very selfish in nature. Y'all with me? Whereas the covenant goes way beyond that. Okay, it goes way beyond some uh, exchange of properties and some fulfillment of a task. Uh, that's because it is actually what? The giving of one's whole self to another. Don't miss that. It's the giving of one's whole self to another. Y'all good? I'm not going to embarrass you. Here we go. So, so watch this. Because of that, a covenant is very unselfish in nature. And the reason is because it places both of these guys in a position where they need to serve the other person's interests, not their own. Are y'all tracking? So it typically goes like this. Two people stand uh, before you know, a bunch of witnesses, and, and they begin to give terms of the covenant that they're about to, about to enter into. In essence, Chris would tell Wes, he would say this. You know, Wes, all of my assets and belongings are yours. All of my money, all of my property, and all of my possessions are yours. If you ever need them, you don't even have to ask. Just come and get them. Right? Because what is mine is yours, and what is yours is mine. And oh, by the way, if I die, you'll be responsible for my family. That literally that all of my children are yours now by adoption. So watch this. It doesn't stop there. Literally, Chris would go on to tell Wes, he would say this. But at the same time, you also get my liabilities. If I ever get into trouble financially, I don't come and ask you for money. In essence, I would come to you and say, hey, where's our checkbook? 
So, so watch this. And then, then Wes would turn around and he would make the same declarations to Chris. And so um, I know all this seems really foreign to us, right? We're thinking, man, I'm going to give that joker my money. What are you talking about? L- l- listen, but, but this is what it really meant to be in covenant. That literally that they would say everything that I am and everything that I have is now yours. And vice versa, he would look, everything that I am and everything I have is now yours. Are y'all tracking? It all belongs to you. So, so listen, they would actually promise to give each other their lives, their love, right, and their protection until one of them died. Now, what's crazy is, is, is if he died, Chris would still be responsible to take care of his family all the way until he died. That's the way covenant worked. Are y'all tracking? So, so listen, uh, you know, if I can maybe take a pause there for a second. You, you know, when I was going through this, I, I was reminded of, of Romans 8.32. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it made me see it completely different than I've ever saw it before. Now, we know Romans 8.32. We'll throw it up in, a, in the Passion Translation. But in the translation we're used to, it simply says this. For if God did not spare his own son, how much more would he now so freely give us all things? Covenant language, right? But let's read it here. It says, For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. In fact, my mind jumped from there and it went to uh, Luke chapter 11 in the, in the parable of the prodigal son. We know that uh, when the older son comes and he begins to complain to the father, what did the father say? He said, son, all that I have is yours. So listen, if you can hear that today from the heart of God, that he's saying that the resource of heaven, all that I have, son and daughter, it is yours. Why? Because there's a covenant. Am I making sense? So watch this. Let's continue. After, after Chris and Wes, after they uh, you know, basically said the terms of their covenant before the group of witnesses, they would then seal the covenant by making an oath that would what? That would bind them to the fulfillment of the words that they spoke during the covenant-making process of all this back-and-forth stuff. I will do this. You'll do that. It bound, bound them to those words. Now, here, this is something key here. When it comes to the oath, you need to understand that they can sit here and give this mumbo-jumbo all day long to one another, but until they actually sealed the thing by an oath, that all that stuff was useless. The covenant is, once again, is what sealed it, it's what authorized it, it's what put it into action. It's almost, if you can say it this way, that, that it's when somebody stamps something, right? Right? Boom. Okay, now we're done, right? So just kind of a side note here. When we begin to see marriage through the eyes of covenant rather than through the eyes of a contract, then we begin to understand why God hates divorce so much. And the reason he hates divorce is not because it's just two people that, you know, they were Christians or whatever, and now they went apart and it kind of makes them look bad. No, no, no. The reason he hates it is because it's a breaking of a covenant oath. Can I get an amen? Amen. So let's take this a step further. So back over here with Chris and Wes. Listen, an oath was commonly made as individuals would do what? As they would raise one hand. This is all biblical. We'll throw it up there for you. Or as they would uh, put their hand under the other's thigh. Cultural. Cultural. Not that church. All right, so anyway, so... Or as they, listen, they would kill an animal and they had divided into two parts and the two of them would pass through it. And watch this, as they did this, this is huge, don't miss this, that they would actually swear 
by either their own lives, by the life of the other individual, by the life of a king, an angel, a temple, right? Or even Jerusalem or even God himself. And the whole idea was is this, is for an oath to really be credible, it had to be sworn basically by someone greater than them, right? So, well, watch this. But most importantly, importantly if you haven't taken anything note so far, write this down. When two people made a covenant oath, they were what? They were inviting God. Let, let me kind of bring it to modern day here. It, it, this is very similar to when, um, you know, I'll just tell you that my mind goes this, old Perry Mason show. I said modern day, right? So, so it's where my mind goes. Uh, uh, basically, when they come and they would raise their right hand and they would take an oath before they took the stand in the courtroom, right? Or you could say when we see someone take a public office, they come and they raise their right hand, which again is a form of covenant making, and they begin to swear or they're sworn in to certain duties and certain rights. But notice what they always say at the end, so help me God. And in essence, when they say those terms, so help me God, it's the same there as it is here. They're asking God for three things. Basically, when they make a covenant oath, they're inviting God, number one, to be a witness between them and the truth of their words. Serious. Number two, second thing is, is they would invite God to be their strength in the keeping of the covenant terms. Because how many of you guys know this is still a man this is still a man, and we don't fulfill our words that great. Right? And what they're asking, Nesson, God, would you come and would you give us strength to help us do what we said? And the third thing is this, is they would invite God to keep an ever-present watch over them to ensure that the covenant is being kept. So in other words, when he goes his way and he goes his way, that God, you would watch over us and you would be the judge between us. So once again, watch this. Therefore, by calling on God, they invited him to come. Watch this. Be the third party of the covenant. And once that oath is made, the covenant becomes non-negotiable and can be alt- cannot be altered because the oath served as the seal of the covenant. Once again, now it's authorized and it's in action. Uh, why don't you guys give these guys a hand as they go grab their seat. All right, so with all that in mind, and I know you guys are like, what in the world does that have to do with us? I'm just trying to connect it here, okay? So, so with all that in mind, what is an oath? The Bible dictionary defines an oath as this. Is it, it is an appeal to God to witness the truth of a statement or of the great words here, binding character. Somebody say character. Of a promise. So, all right, so listen, before we move on, what I want to do is I actually want us to look at a biblical example that's found in Genesis, and, and you'll see really that this incredible picture of what covenant looks like and, and when two men made an oath together, okay? Because it's not found in the Bible, we, we can go home with it, right? But, but let's look what the Word says, all right? So, so listen, let me set it up here because it's a, it's a big old chapter, and I don't, I don't have time to read all of it. But listen, we, we know in the book of Genesis, Abraham's grandson, uh, Jacob, we know he got sideways with his brother Esau, and when he got sideways with his brother, uh, he, he left town, and he went where his mama told him to go. He went to his uh, uncle Laban's house. And so when he got to Laban's house, we know that while he was there, that he married two of Laban's daughters. That's right. He's from Mississippi. He married his cousins. And so... <laughs> Uh, he, he, so he married uh, Leah and he married Rachel. Notice I did not say Alabama, right? Anyway, so, 
So he, he married Leah and he married Rachel. And uh, the Bible says that not only do that, but he worked for Laban for 20 years. And then basically after 20 years, there's layers of great revelation in this. But after 20 years, uh, we know that basically Laban proved himself to be shady and, and to be a man that lacked integrity in his dealings with Jacob, right? So, so Jacob, after 20 years, finally got tired of being deceived and taken advantage of and lied to. And he finally said, you know what? I'm going to leave town. But, so there were, but there, the problem was is there was this, uh, you could say, fear in essence of Laban that he had. He, he was afraid of Laban. And so what he did, he waited till Laban, uh, you know, went out of town himself. Laban had been gone for uh, some period of time. And when he left, he, he gathered his wife and he gathered his kids and all the livestock and all their belongings. And, and they headed out of town, right? So they get going down the road. Laban comes home three days later and he hears, man, Jacob and his and his daughters and his grandkids and all his they've left. And so, and so Laban gets furious and Laban decides basically to gather up a posse and he says, you know, we're going to go get Jacob. Seven days later, he catches up with Jacob. But a very interesting thing happened before he got there. God intervened and God said, do not deal with him basically kindly or opposed to him. Just deal with him, right? And so in other words, God intervened to protect Jacob. And so what happens is, is when Laban finally got there and he began to question Jacob why he left, Jacob was honest with him. He basically said, you're the worst father-in-law on the planet. And so anyway, so here we go. So let's pick up the story. How did Laban respond to the fact that he was the worst father-in-law on the planet? All right, here we go. Verse 44. Let's read this. It says, Laban responded this way. He says, so come, let's make a covenant, you and I, and it will be a witness to our commitment. I want you to remember Wes and Chris here through this. <coughs> so Jacob took a stone and set it up as a monument then he told his family members, gather some stones. So they gathered stones and piled them in a heap. Then Jacob and Laban sat down beside the pile of stone to eat a covenant meal to commemorate the event. Laban called, to commemorate the event, Laban called the place Jagar Sayaduth, which means witness pile in Aramaic. And Jacob called uh, it Galid, which simply means witness pile in Hebrew. Verse 48. Then Laban declared, this pile of stones will stand as a witness to remind us of the covenant we have made today. This explains why it was called Galid, witness pile. But it was also called Mitzvah, which means watchtower. For Laban said, may the Lord keep watch between us to make sure that we keep this covenant when we are out of each other's sight. If you mistreat my daughters or if you marry other wives, God will see it. Even if no one else does. He is a witness to this covenant between us. See this pile of stones, Laban continued, and see this monument I have set between us. They stand between us as a witness of our vows. What's our vows? Our covenant terms. He says, I will never pass this pile of stones to harm you, and you must never pass these stones or this monument to harm me. I call on the God of our ancestors, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of my grandfather Nahor, to serve as a judge between us. So Jacob took a what? An oath before the fearsome God of his father Isaac to respect the boundary line. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice to God there on the mountain and invited everyone to a covenant feast. That's the covenant meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night on the mountain. Laban got up early the next morning and he kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. It's an incredible picture of covenant. And, uh, you know, the other thing that I think it also shows you the seriousness of what it means when you make an oath with someone. Are you all with me today? 
I'm not trying to give you a history lesson here. But hopefully this is helping. So, so what I want to do for the next few minutes, because we've got to make this personal, uh, let's look at the covenant oath through the lens of the new covenant, of the covenant that we are now operating in through Christ Jesus. So to do so, I want to look at another verse. To, to start this off, and then we'll break it down. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. It's a New Living Translation. It puts it pretty, pretty plain and simple. It says this. It says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. How many of you guys know we are of the seed of Abraham? In other words, he's, in essence, the father of the faith. Okay? It says, since there was no one greater to swear by, remember that piece of, the, of an oath. It says, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. In other words, to bring accountability. It says, and without any question, the oath is binding. In other words, if you break it, you die. We talked about that in previous weeks. Verse 17 says, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. It's a good verse. It's better than what y'all are saying amen right there. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things, the promise and the oath, are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. All right, let's sit on this thing and let's break it down. Number one, first thing I want you to see today is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. The first thing I want you to notice is this, is that God swore by his own name. That's so huge, that God swore by his own name. Remember verse 13, it simply said this, Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. Uh, Another translation says it this way. This is so good. It says, He swore an oath on his own integrity. Get that. So the word, the, the, the word actually named there actually means character and it means reputation. So he swore by his own character and by his own reputation to do what? To keep the promise as sure as he exists. Now, to even, you know, to throw this out there, watch this. I know this is crazy. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. But in the same way that if, you know, if we were in Old Testament times and Chris uh, broke the covenant, then he would have to die in the same way. In other words, he would cease to exist. In the same way, when God swore by his name, he is saying, look, if I don't fulfill this thing, I will have to cease to exist. So it's pretty serious, eh? So what I'm trying to get you to see today, let me just help you really, is to trust in the word. That's really what we're talking about, right? And, and so watch this. But why did God swear by his own name? You know, just a thought here. Did God you know, swear by his own name to somehow help himself be more accountable to what he said? Absolutely not. It's just it's a simple thing that an oath doesn't make God any more obligated to be himself than he already is. Because why? Because the truth is it is impossible for God to be anything different than who he is. Right? That's why the Bible says in Malachi 3, 6, says, I am the Lord and I do not change not even for a moment right god is consistent as it comes so why did he do it go back to verse 17 we read it twice earlier we'll look at it again this is the why god why god swore by his name said god also bound himself with an oath so that those he did it for us 
so that you and I would be able to see what? That those who received the promise could be perfectly sure. In other words, we could be confident that he would never change his mind. That's so good. So listen, as you can see, he swore by his own name, which represented his character to show us what? The dependability of the covenant. Great place to say amen. Listen, it's simply this. It shows the dependability of the covenant, but it also is the promises or that his promises are as unchanging as he is. Amen. So the reason I say that is because of this. Because, listen, I've been in church for a long time, and I've seen many people go like this. Well, I believe those promises, but, you know, here's the deal. You come over here, and this person goes, well, those promises are for them, but they're really not for me. I've prayed with way too many people. I've seen that way too many times, right? That the people literally, it's like they, they, sometimes we have greater faith for someone else than we have for ourselves. And the bottom line is, is, is the promise of God don't change from one person to the next. They don't change based off of circumstances. The word of God is consistent because he is consistent. Amen? So listen, when you, when you begin to see verses like this, Numbers 23, 19, I'll read two verses really quick. That God is not a man, so he does not lie. Man, thank God for that. That he's not a human, so he does not change his mind. It says, has he ever spoke and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And then it says in Psalms 89, 34, My covenant I will not break, nor what? Nor alter the word, nor change the word, change the promise, change the oath that has come out from my mouth or gone from my lips, right? So here's the point of this one, that when we hear verses like those, we should not only be reminded that his covenant promises will never change, but also that God is incapable of making promises that he cannot perform. Amen? Because why? Because once again, because every word he says is the, is the perfect expression of who he is. If you can see it this way, guys, that his word, right, and that his character and his actions are one. Right? All right, here's the second thing I want us to notice. Is that when God gave an oath, he bound himself to fulfill those covenant promises that he had made. Now, here's what's neat. Those promises come in the form of this. They come in the form of an I will for every person that accepts Jesus. And, and when we accept Jesus, I meet it in the form of not, of not, oh, I just need to feel better. I mean this, that we accept the terms of the covenant, that here's the way God wants us to live. Yeah. Right. And so and so when we come and, and we understand that when, uh, you know, basically those promises come in the form of I will. So number two, God said, I will. I just want you to notice that. Look back to verse 14, Hebrews six. It simply says this. Notice the first two words. God said, I will certainly bless you. I will certainly bless you. It's easy for us to sit back and go, well, he was talking to Abraham. Remember, we are in Abraham. Does the Bible not say that? Okay, we are in Abraham, so he's talking to us, guys, that I will bless you. I, listen, I believe, and if it makes you feel uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but I believe that God's people should be some of the most pl- uh, blessed people on the planet yeah. because of who our Father is, right? And, and that's not some, some twisted prosperity message. It, it is simply this. It's going, I believe the Bible. He said, I'll be blessed, right? He said, I'll be blessed in my coming in. I'll be blessed in my going out. And guess what? I believe we'll be blessed in the middle. Yeah. Amen. So watch this. So, so how does God bless us under the new covenant? L- listen to an oath that he has made. There's plenty, but I'm just going to give you two in hopes that will help you today. The first one is this, Jeremiah 32, 38. Notice this verse. 
This is how God blesses us. He says, they will be my people and I will be their God. I'm not sure if there's a greater blessing than knowing this, that God identifies himself with me. That's incredible because I'm a bum. Right? And God says, you know what? You're my kid. You're with me. Let's go. Right? He had, yes? That's good. So the second thing I want you to see in verse as far as how God uh, and I will, we'll just say it that way. Ezekiel 36, 25 says this. God said, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and careful obey, careful to obey my regulations. So think about this for a moment. Why do people drastically change when they really get saved? Right? I, I sat in my office the other day. A guy popped in that, that, that used to go to church here. He's been down south, popped in the office kind of out of nowhere. And he talked about, because I've had conversations with him, that his dad was basically just this rough, gruff dude that couldn't love anybody. Just mean, right? And, and he has wore the effects of that. This guy's almost 70 years old, and he's wore it for years and years and years and years. And his father got born again like two years ago before he died. Watch this. And he said, basically, this person uh, led his father to the Lord. And he said that when he came in, he was like, man, my dad was totally unrecognizable. He was the kindest man, the most loving man that I've ever seen. Why? Is it because his, because his father decided, you know what, I'm going to try this thing called religion. Was it because I'm going I'm to turn the leaf over and I'm going to decide to be good? No, it's not that. The, the reason the guy changed is because God began to work out his promises and he began to work out his oath in the man's life. Because God swore by his name, I will do this in you if you receive it and let me. Right? So listen to this one more time. We'll throw up this list here. That God said this. He swore to you. So grab a hold of this today. In fact, I'll go ahead and just say this. Everybody look at me. So I can say it with confidence. You are as free today as you want to be. Yes? And I'll say this. Truthfully, most of us room, we know God as much as we really want to know him. Right? And the reason is, is because of what God said. He simply said this. He said, I will remove your guilt and shame. Boy, that's good news. He said, I will free you from the authority of sin and death. Uh, that's victory. Amen? He said, I will free you from the bondage of Satan and all the power of darkness. I will give you a new heart and put my spirit in you. I will cause you to belong to me by bringing you into my covenant family. I will give you the motivation, the desire, and the enabling power. It's all Bible. To live a life that loves me and those around you. I will bless you and all that you do in my name. Now, here's what I want you to understand about all the, the, not just that list, but all the I wills in the Bible, right? Don't miss this. Here's what I need you to understand about all the I wills is that we can't. And what I mean by that is when you really look at that list, guys, you find out it doesn't matter how much you try, how much effort, how much straining you try to do, right? How much you try to convince yourself. At the end of the day, man, you cannot change yourself. The only thing we can do, guys, I'm not saying that there's not our part in this, because there's definitely our part. We have to seek God, right? We, in other words, we have to position our hearts to receive all that he's done. Am I making sense to you? Amen. All right, so listen. 
The reason I say this is this, is because we know that God is the one that made, once again, the unilateral move to create this covenant with us, right? It was one-sided. It was out of his own unconditional love for us that he said this, that I am not only willing, but I desire to what? To fulfill every I will that I've spoken in your life. Amen? So in light of that, let me give you a few verses. Hopefully I'm not boring you today. If I'm boring you, go just listen to somebody else's podcast when you go home. All right? It'll, it'll make you feel better. I can, I can point you to some good ones. All right, here we go. <coughs> so I just thought, oh, my gosh, I just saw this scripture so different when I, when I read this. I've said this verse so many times here, but 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. We know it typically says that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just, not only to forgive us, but also to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But, but, but look at this in the Amplified Version. It says, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to what? His own nature and promises. So in the forgiveness, guess what? I'm getting ahead of myself. And we'll forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and purpose. In other words, what am I saying? Is that yes, God will forgive us because he loves us. Yes, he'll forgive us because he delights in mercy. But most of all, he forgives us because he has sworn to do so by a covenant oath, by all the I wills that we just read. It's God's working in our life. Amen. Amen. Please don't misunderstand me that I'm, I'm sitting here saying uh, that, that you don't have to do your part. The Bible says we've got to work out our own salvation. It's a marriage between these things, okay? So don't, don't hear it out of balance, okay? Don't go home and, and just stare at the wall and think it's all going to work out, okay? All right, so, so but, but I will give you, give you this assurance today in Philippians 1.6. Once again, this is if we partner with him. I want to read this verse to set up our last point, and then we'll get out of here. It says this in Philippians 1.6. It's the Passion Translation. He says, I pray with great faith for you, because I am fully convinced that the one who did what? Who made, I'm going to say, who made the covenant oath, began this glorious work in you, will faithfully continue the process of maturing you, and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody say faithful? So listen, the last thing I want to notice is this, and all of this, when it comes to the covenant, when it comes to the oath, God is simply saying this, man, I'll be faithful. I'll be faithful, right? Look back at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. He says, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Did you notice I didn't say that part? I got four kids. I didn't preach on that. I'm, I'm, I'm believing I'm done with that one, that part. I will multiply your descendants. I believe I'm done. I'll believe for some grandchildren next. Verse 15, it says, Then Abraham, watch this, and Abraham waited patiently. That's key, guys, when we understand the faithfulness of God. It doesn't always happen when we think it's going to happen. Amen? But he said this, Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Why did he, or how did he, receive what God had promised? Because God is faithful to his word. Amen? So to put it another way, and you can jot this down, that God's faithfulness is the outworking of his covenant oath. His faithfulness is the outworking. It's how he he moves about, right? So watch this. I'll just kind of end in a personal way. Um, You know, I've I've been walking with the Lord now, I guess, I don't know, probably close to 23 years. And I can honestly say, you know, just, just going through all this of looking back, and I'm just like, man, I you know, I can honestly say that even though I haven't understood 
everything along the way, right? Everything hasn't really made sense sometimes. But, you know, I can literally say this is that over the years, I, I've been honestly, I've never questioned the faithfulness of the Lord to me or my family. I just haven't. And, and, you know, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we as a family haven't had lean times. I'm not saying that we haven't had our fair share of, uh, you know, spiritual battles because we have sure enough been in the trenches and prayed our guts out more times than I can count. But at the end of the day, I can tell you, honest to God, before the Lord Jesus, man, he has come through every single time. And listen, if it's been financially, if it's been physically with our health, if it's been mentally, emotionally, spiritually, however you want to word, he's always brought an answer when we needed it. Always. He has been faithful. And why is that? It's because I am in covenant. My family's in covenant with him. And when I tell you guys, listen, that, that when I go before the Lord in prayer, if it's through adversity, if it's through good times, I'm telling you guys, that when I go to prayer, I come with the understanding that I stand before the throne of God with a covenant with Him. And if I don't understand, listen, if I don't understand what is in essence backing up all those prayers, then I'm probably not going to have a lot of faith in them. I'm making sense. But, but there's that spot where, God, you said in your word, right? L- l- listen, I'll give you one thing, and I'm not trying to put pressure on anybody, but I'm going to give you an example here. I'll go real life on you. Uh, I, I remember at one time, bottom line, we, you know, we believe in tithing, okay? And, 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 that's, and that's 10%, not, not after Uncle Sam's dipped his, but from the get-go, we believe in tithing. Every month, the first thing that we as a family give or pay, we don't pay bills, we give to God. First thing we do, because he said, honor the Lord with the first fruits. Here it is, right? And, and so listen, as I'm sure with all of you guys, I remember a time in my life I told the Lord, Lord, it would be a whole lot easier if I didn't have to tithe. I know have to is a strong word, but I feel like I can be honest with the Lord, right? Because I'm looking at bills, right? And, and I, remember, I remember the time specifically I'm talking about, we just had, we just had our, our daughter and we had hospital bills. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, how am I going to pay that? I'm glad we had insurance, but Lord, it didn't cover all that. So, Lord, it'd be a whole lot easier because they keep calling. Am I making sense? And I remember having this honest conversation with the Lord. And you know what happened? Literally, a week later, I just, Lord, here's the deal. We need a miracle. I get a call out of the blue. Hey, guess what? You got a raise. (laughs) Cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. Cried. Thank God. For the covenant, right? Because the covenant says that if I give, he will open up the windows of heaven and he would what? Supply and meet our needs, right? Am I, am I making sense? The only place in the whole Bible he says he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake is when you give. So watch this. I'll give you another one if that one made you feel uncomfortable. So, so um, yeah, I'll give you, I'm going to give you a better one. Here we go. It deals with money though but because, because it's God's provision. I, I wasn't planning on sharing any of this. That there was a time literally when Jen and I, Jen and I had been married. I've told some of you guys this before. Everybody hasn't heard it. But when Jen and I, we were married, when, when we first got married, our, our little uh, you know, house we lived in, I remember our, our uh, rent was $500 a month. Don't y'all wish y'all had some of that around here? It was $500 a month and a little two-bedroom house. And, and I remember that uh, basically I was not, a car payment was $400 a month. And, and I was bringing home $900 a month. Do the math. Do the math, right? 
And, and I remember just like, God, you, I mean, literally, we would get down last week of the month, and it was like straight ramen noodles and fasting. Force fast, right? And so, because we didn't have any money. And listen, you know, I, was, I felt like I was being obedient, doing what God told me to do. But after Uncle Sam took his, I brought home like $930 a month. And, and guess what? We tithed all the way through that and gave offerings where Jesus said to give offerings. And so, actually gave offerings every month and then added. Anyways, so, so I remember uh, literally going, okay, Jen, Jen's hours, I'm trying to remember the stories we go. Jen, Jen's hours where she worked uh, got cut in half, and, and I had no insurance. And my medical history uh, for me to have insurance was going to be $700 a month, okay? And so, pay's getting cut. They're saying, if you want insurance, anyway, so I'm like freaking out, right? freaking out. And, and, I, and I remember basically uh, our pastor got up one Sunday morning. He said, some of you guys are looking. You're going, man, how are we going to make it through this year? And I wasn't not a typical guy that let me run down the altar for some moment. I was down there boohooing. Jesus, you got to move. You got to move. I'm obeying your word. You got to move. And so, so on Tuesday night, first time we, we prayed, first time, Lord, I, I'm asking you for a raise and, Lord, I'm asking you, please, to give my wife a job. And, Lord, I'm also asking that you would somehow take care of this insurance. It was Tuesday night. Am I, am I lying? So Wednesday, I go to work, and, and I was straightening up the youth room, fixing chairs. And, um, and I walked out in the hall real quick, and here comes my pastor. He comes by, and I say, good morning, pastor. And he goes, good morning, Quinn. And he gets about 10 steps from me, and he turns around and says, Hey, Quentin. I turn around. He goes, Hey, if a job comes open here, do you think Jim would want it? <laughs> yes, sir. That'd be great. He said, Okay. So I go back, and I'm straightening chairs, just being faithful in what the Lord told me to do, right? So I'm straightening chairs, and the, and the admin guy comes in. And he goes, Hey, uh, Quentin, I just got out of a meeting with a pastor. And, and, man, we were talking, and uh, we, we decided, you know, basically we're going to release this individual because he's not doing his job, and we're going to give Jen a job if she wants it. Then he comes back, and he says this. He goes, oh, by the way, I talked to pastor. We're going to give you a raise, and, and we're going to take care of your insurance. Now, here's what you got to understand. J- just to, to see the miracle. So there were, we, we worked at a church with 90 people on staff, okay? A lot of people. And so my position was not a uh, health insurance position, so to this day, people in that position, I think they may have changed it maybe like three years ago, that now they're getting insurance. But that wasn't even one that they did. So you're talking about a miracle from God. Watch this. It gets, it gets better. Yep. So we go to church that night. Watch this. Sitting in church that night, and there's a woman sitting over there talking to Jen. And I'm like, okay, why is she, why is she in here? That's weird because we're sitting in the youth room. And, and, you know, Jen, basically we get in the car, and she begins to tell me the story. The woman said this. Her husband's in the military. He's over fighting for us, and uh, she's, she's literally she's sitting you know, at home, and she's been having blockages in her body, and she, uh, she had five blockages in her arteries. The docs fixed uh, two or three, and she had whatever two or three left, and, and she was afraid that she was going to have a stroke or a heart attack, like living in fear. And so she called her husband. She said this, and she just said, hey, look, I just... I just have Quentin and Jen on my heart, and I just, uh, I just want to chat with you. You know, uh, How do you feel about if we, if we bless them, and let's just believe as we meet their need, which we didn't tell anybody our need. We weren't going around, oh, I'm hungry. You know, we weren't doing that. So um, literally that we said, 
You, you know, basically she said it, that if we meet their need, let's just believe by faith God will meet our need. And so he said, I'm absolutely in agreement with that. So she comes to church prepared to give us a, a, a gift, right? And she's sitting there in worship, and Pastor Al walks up on the platform, and he says, basically, the Lord just spoke to me and said that there's people here today that you're afraid that you're going to have a stroke or a heart attack, and, uh, you know, because of some medical issues you got going on, God wants to heal you. And he said, if that's you, get down here to the altar. People went to the altar. She didn't move. She just lifted up her hands, and she felt every one of those things open, and God healed her. Amen. Amen? And so, and so... Then she comes to us anyway, so Jen's telling me this, and we open up, because she gave Jen this book, and she opened up, and there was $500 in the book. How many of you guys know that was a really good day? <laughs> but the reason is, listen, because, because honestly, honestly, as God my witness, I'm telling you, Lord, we have a covenant with you. Yes. And Lord, you said in your word, am I lying? Lord, you said in your word you would do these things. God, I ask you to move. Not twisting God's arm, not doing that, but God, this is who you said you are. This is your character. This is your nature. And I'm telling you guys, 20 plus years, he's never failed. Amen. Let me give you one last verse. And I'm sorry I've held you so long. Let me give you one last verse and we'll be done. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this. It says, if we are unfaithful. How many of you guys know that we're not always faithful? Amen. Watch this. He remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. Actually, what that means in the Greek language, it means this, that he cannot and will not be unfaithful to himself because he is the faithful one, because he has made an oath that he's sworn by his name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Listen, just as we close in prayer today, I just want to give you one thought. Hopefully this is encouraging you, by the way. Just trying to get you to understand who your God is. Let's just pray today with this mindset that that simply this, that we serve a God who is infinitely reliable and can be counted on at all times because his oath is as constant and simply unchanging as he is. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, today we thank you for your word. Lord, I I don't know about anybody else in this room today, but Lord, I'm encouraged. Just the fact, God, of remembering your faithfulness, God, over all these years, God, of who you are. God, the bottom line is the truth. God, I may not understand every turn of the way, but God, I know you're good and I know you love me. And Father, I just want to thank you today, God, for the covenant, God, that you've made with Jennifer and I. I thank you for the covenant, God, that you've given our family. And Lord, I thank you that we're not alone in this room, but every single one of us that have believed in the name of the Lord Jesus, God, that you've made a covenant with us. And we have the great opportunity to walk with you in that covenant. So, Lord, I'm literally asking you today, God, if there's been anything inside of us, once again, that, that, that has, uh, you know, that's opposite of that, of what we've grabbed a hold of, of what we believed, if it's been a, a life of fear or whatever, Lord, we're just asking today, God, that you would reach down in our hearts, God, and you would remove it. God, you'd remove the lies and you'd begin to replace it with the truth. God, we just thank you for these things today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.